Alright everyone, welcome back to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis. And here we have a Netflix documentary series about the professional tennis tours, Breakpoint. This is episode 10, this is the final episode of the first season, and the final at the moment in my series of live commentary podcasts where I'm watching the show for the first time. And this episode today is going to cover the tour finals, the 2022 WTA finals and the 2022 ATP finals. These are indoor events held at the end of the year in October and November. Uh, Only the top eight players in the world get to play and it is a round-robin format, two groups of four. Each player plays three matches, then um, the two top finishers from each group advance to direct elimination semifinals. It is the number one event run by the actual tours. As the hardcore fans listening to this know, the four Grand Slams are actually not operated by the ATP and WTA tours. In terms of the week-to-week tours, the tour finals are the are the number one event for the tours, and they heavily promote it. The race rankings, for example, the race to Turin, the race to Guadalajara, the race to wherever the city is, the the nice-looking pictures of players in suits or dresses, those are likely taken from the tour finals. Break point. One last chance. Nike headquarters, New York City. Oh yes, so I didn't officially say this. Episode 10, One Last Chance. The season culminates at the ATP and WTA finals, where top-ranked players Taylor Fritz and Belarusian powerhouse Arena Sabalenka fight for redemption. So we have Sabalenka here at Nike headquarters in New York. She's getting some uh, fashion accessories. Photo shoot time, I guess. For the tour finals. So let's. What were the fields? Let's remember that. There is zero titles in my pocket. Whatever. 2022 WTA finals, October 31 through November 7. I like to fight. It was held at Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth, Texas. And the eight players for singles, Iga Swiatek, Ons Jabor, Jessica Pagula, Coco Goff, Maria Sakkari, Carolyn Garcia, Arena Sabalenka, Daria Kasatkina. For the men, let's take a look at their field. Carl, or no, Rafael Nadal, Stefano Tsitsipas, Kasper Ruud, Daniil Medvedev, Felix Auger-Aliassime, 
Andre Rublev. Novak Djokovic. Taylor Fritz. WTA Finals, Fort Worth, Texas. There's a cowboy, says someone in Sabalanka's uh, car. Oh, and look, and, the, and here's some steer. I'd go for a ride in a cowboy hat and boots. And on a pony. Damn, I'd feel sorry for that pony, Sabalanka says. Sabalanka's videoing the cowboy culture with her phone. Here is Dickie's arena. And people, they're probably not going to cover it here, but it was, it was announced as Fort Worth at a very late date because the WTA had been unable to find a host for the event, which is quite problematic. It had been in Guadalajara the year before, but Guadalajara this year hosted a 1,000 event, so they were already taken. Of course, we have to ask, uh, where is Peng Shui? Because this event used to be in China, but they pulled out because of the, the Peng Shui situation, of her being seized by the Chinese media, or by the Chinese uh, state, rather. And she is not a free woman, and she never will be again. So that whole saga is why the WTA Finals were being played in Dallas here. It's actually much warmer here, so it will bounce a little bit higher. I've often wondered, are indoor arenas air-conditioned? How air-conditioned is it? Australia, 10 months earlier. Oh my god. This was prior to the... Oh, the serve, yes! The double faults. I totally forgot about that. To her credit. I forgot about that till right now. The Ukraine situation has definitely become what she's known for right now, but at this time, a year and a half ago, she could not serve. You don't feel your body, you don't control your arms, your legs. She had the serving yips, and she was still number three in the world, number four in the world. It was definitely Djokovic 2009-2010 vibes. It was... It was truly problematic for a while, for a couple of months. And... You know, by the time we got to this point last year, she definitely had it a little more under control. This is the worst feeling ever I had on tennis court. The worst. And the media tried to hype it up in the second half of last year as being an issue, and it was, but it was not as big of an issue as it was at the beginning of 2022. Okay. Yeah, I'm not necessarily interested in getting the human interest story on Arena Sabalenka at the moment. So, that means now would be a good chance to get into this. So, it's June 24th as we're taping this. This is my uh, fourth. I think I've done four in a row today. So, my voice is getting a little tired. But anyway, Sabalenka's been in the news recently because of her positions or non-positions or her comments as it relates to the Russia-Ukraine war. Just to set it up. 
Arena Sabalenka is a Belarusian player, and as such, she's asked in press conferences about this often. And if we go to... Okay, I want to hear what they have to say here. ...the start of a military operation. Putin has ordered troops and tanks across the Ukrainian border and... We're seeing uh, people in Ukraine walking down the street here. So, at Roland Garros 2023, she played Kostyuk in the first round. Sabalenka did. And there was no handshake, and the crowd booed both players at one point, I think. But they definitely booed Kostyuk, which is not a good look. And, uh, let's see what she says here. It's tough. That does not mean you disagree with it, which is a point of contention that I've had. All these... All these Russian and Belarusian players. Yeah, of course, I would do everything that I can to stop everything. But but that's not good enough. Players that say they want to stop everything. Why do you want to stop everything? Do you want to stop it because you want Russia to win? That is not good enough. In our country, you cannot say like a word about what's going on. Or if you just say uh, the world war, like okay, you're dying in jail. Uh, and this guy, her coach here, is using the the crutch of we can't say anything because Putin will kill us or he'll murder our families or hurt our families in some way. It's not like uh, hoping for peace is not good enough. Wimbledon is banning Russian hope for a Russian loss in the war. Say that. Yeah, but they removed the flag from the the television graphics. You have to ban all the players from Russia and Belarus, and I thought that everyone is looking weird to to me. You know? Everyone is looking weird. What does that mean? Roland Garros, 2022. Like everyone hate me because at that time we, nobody did. Maybe now, but not then. If you're talking about the tennis perspective, she struggled a lot. So, but I think tennis is not really important right now. I think I've got a, a window here. May 28th, 2023. Question It was tough. Um, After the match, I just open Instagram and then the first thing is found out like, like you fucking bitch, you're gonna die. You're like, you better die. And I, I wish your why though will die from cancer and blah blah blah. And you is because of gambling, or is because of the the war? She didn't specify because that's stuff that gamblers say on Twitter. Don't worry about it, her coach tells her. Don't tell me not to worry. She is very emotional here. She's crying on camera. Sitting in the awkward silence. She's eating an apple. Now everyone is watching me fucking lose it.
I just don't want to play tennis anymore. End of. It's all telling me I should quit. Honestly, I thought that I, I'm gonna stop playing tennis because it was so bad. But what was bad? What was, she didn't say because of the war. She didn't give a reason why. He wouldn't accept this. He would say like, "You fucking kidding me? You're going to be tough. Like, like I grow you like a champion." And I was like, "This is good content here. This is probably the best actual reaction content of the entire ten episodes by me here." Okay, match stuff. Don't care about that as much right now. Okay. Um. So the May 28th, 2023 press conference here for Sabalenka. Question. You called it kind of a tough match emotionally. Do you feel because of the obvious kind of more attention that would be on the match because of the matchup of a Belarusian player against a Ukrainian player, does that weigh on your mind knowing there is going to be a bit more attention on how it will end with the handshake and all of that? Sabalenka. Yeah, probably because of that as well as, like, first match of the tournament. The second thing is, you're playing against Ukrainian, and you never know what's going to happen. You never know, you know, how people will, will they support you or not. I was worried, like, that people will be against me, and I don't like to play when people so much against me. So I was worried about that. Yeah, the beginning was very emotional, but then I got through it, and I started playing tennis and focus on myself instead of the rest of the things. Uh, question. With this role in Garros, you might become world number one. As a world number one, you should be a role model. I think you are already a role model for many people, but f for many tennis players in the world. World number one is a very difficult status. What is your message to the world? Because meanwhile, this situation with Ukrainian players show that you're twisting it as if Ukrainians hate you, but they do not say that they hate you. The only thing they want to know from you is either you condemn the war or support the war. This is the only thing that Ukrainian players want to hear. You're avoiding this question. You're coming up with different answers. So you say it's politics, even though missiles launched from Belarus does not choose if it's a politician or tennis player. What is your message as the world number one? How can you sort it out with Ukrainian players that there is no more words hate or something like that? Thank you. Sabalenka says, first of all, I'm not saying that they are saying they hate me. Question. You did. You did many times. Then Sabalenka says, no, but listen. First of all, when I get the question about Ukrainians, they ask me, like, so you know that they hate you? Like, not personally or politically, they asking the question. So I'm answering the question that if they hate me, like, I don't feel anything like that. Having given- this is a trip now. Having given many kind of answers when I'm stumbling for something to say in a live situation, and you kind of hit the word salad, that's what Sabalanka's doing right here. Back to her quote. About the war situation, I said it many, many times. Nobody in this world, Russian athletes or Belarusian athletes, support the war. Nobody. How can we support the war? Nobody, normal people, will never support it. Why we have to go loud and say that things, this is like one plus one, it's two. Of course we don't support war. 
if it could affect anyhow the war, if it could, like, stop it, we would do it. But unfortunately, it's not in our hands. That's the part about Ukrainians. Holy shit! Is she blaming Ukraine there? The secondly, as the world number one, what's my message? Okay, let's get back to the country. I'm from small country, from Belarus, who was working really hard to get to this level. This is the message to a lot of young athletes who is from small countries, who don't have enough money, who's just from the small countries, that they can do well in this sport. That they have to work hard and believe in themselves, and they can do whatever they want to do. This is my main message as world number one. I don't know if I'm role model for a lot of people, or, as I said, there's going to be people who don't like me, and there is going to be people who likes me. I'm focusing on people who likes me and who want me to be the best. You know, I want to show my best tennis. I want people to enjoy tennis matches, to enjoy my matches. So this is my message to bring the joy for people. I don't know. Question. Can I just ask you about the post-match handshake as well? You said you thought the crowd thought it was disrespectful. Do you think it's disrespectful that they don't shake hands with you? And do you think she deserved to be booed? Sabalenka says, I don't think so. I understand why they are not shaking hands with us. I can imagine if they're going to shake hands with us, and then that's what's going to happen to them from Ukrainian side. So I understand that. And I understand that this is not kind of like personally, you know, that's it. I think she, probably she don't, not probably, I think she don't deserve to be, yeah, to leave the court that way. So that question was asked by a Ukraine, a heavily pro-Ukraine journalist, I believe, and that caused a, a ruckus in the press room at the time. The professionals that, that cover tennis over on the Tennis Podcast, they had good coverage of this. They talked about how the journalist with that long, multi-part question might have stepped over the line, but I kind of disagree with that. I completely agree with that line of questioning. I think it's totally fair game. So what happened after that, and I'm hoping it's reflected in what happens in, in the ASAP sports lineup here, Eventually, Sabalenka went to closed-door press conferences for a couple of rounds. I don't see that marked here for her May 31st press conference. Let's see what the questions are. If the questions don't talk about it, I know that it was uh, behind... Uh... Oh, here's a good one. Question. Arena, just a quick question about Netflix. Because the first five episodes, you weren't obviously in them. But obviously we all saw the cameras were following you around for a lot of last season. So I assume this next episode drop will feature you quite heavily. But I'm curious, when they were filming and you agreed to do it, you didn't know what was going to happen this year and you didn't know what was even going to happen last year. So what do you think people are going to see? What do you think now, looking back on filming all that it's going to show people? Sablanka says, well, actually, when they start following me, it wasn't the best season in my life. I was thinking, like, okay, what are people going to see? A lot of drama in that episode. Then, I saw a little bit of my episode, and I think it's going to be interesting for people to get to know me, 
to get to know my story and how tough it is to face such interesting challenges and how we're dealing with a lot of things and how a lot of things affect us. So I think it's going to be interesting to see me from another side. I'm always positive. I'm smiling a lot. At the same time on the court, I'm very aggressive, but there's also a small part of Arena who can be a little over worried about things, you know. So it's going to be interesting. I'm really, I don't know. I'm nervous about that episode and how people are going to react. I hope they will like it, and I hope they will understand a little better. Feels really good knowing that I did it. Question. I want to ask you two questions. First, it's about Belarus. Then, in 2020, you signed a letter to support Lukashenko in times when he was torturing and beating up protestants in the street. And then, eventually, you, show, you showed up celebrating the new year with him. How is it possible that the potential world number one supports a dictator and... And Sabalanka cuts it off. I have no comments to you, so thank you for your question. The second question is, you keep saying that nobody supports war. Nobody. But can you speak to, for yourself and say, I, Irina Sabalenka, flatly condemn the fact that Belarus is attacking Ukraine with missiles and I want it to stop. Sabalenka's response is, I've got no comments to you. That is where the issue comes in for me. That's where we have a problem. Again, just to, just to say that again. Can you speak for yourself and say, I, Irina Sabalenka, flatly condemn the fact that Belarus is attacking Ukraine with missiles and I want it to stop? I've got no comment. Man, that is just a... That is a damning sentence there from her. And like I said earlier, I understand about family pressures and stuff, but, like... Vladimir, and I never finished this point. Vladimir Putin would be insane to go after a tennis player's family. For example, if, 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 if Sabalenka said something, and three days later, Sabalenka's entire family in Moscow ended up dead, he, he would be, not, not even Putin would be able to get away with that among his own people, I don't think. And nothing's going to happen to her. What do we think? At a Roland Garros press conference that... Putin is going to send foreign agents to poison a tennis player playing a Grand Slam tournament in another country? It's just not going to happen. It just wouldn't happen. And again, if it did, that would be sick and twisted and depraved. But just within my reality, it just doesn't seem like something that could happen. And two, does Putin care what these people say? Like... What Arena Sabalenka says at a tennis tournament that gets picked up for three days and then shelved by the, 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 the global press, is that going to affect operational decisions in Bakhmut or whatever? No, it's not. I think the tennis players have the bandwidth to be able to make comments against the war. Specifically, I think if she said... I don't like the fact that they're misling them and I want them to stop. I think that's fine. And you know what? Get your family out of there if they're in there. You're touring the world anyway. Get them out of there. Move to another country. 
I realize it's easy for me to say, but again, I am coming at this with the fan perspective. It's ridiculous. And that line from Sabalanka is why I'm not a Sabalanka fan right now. And the situation did not get better after that. She went to closed-door press conferences after that. Um, so if we look at the next one... Okay, this is June 2nd, 2023. Um, Arena, thanks for doing the press conference. Before we start, I know there was a tense situation in your second-round press conference, and if you wanted to address it at all, Sabalanka says... Yeah, after my match, I spoke with the media like I normally do. I know they still expect some questions that are more about the politics and not so much about my tennis. For many months now, I have answered those questions at tournaments and been very clear in my feelings and my thoughts. These questions do not bother me after my matches. I know that I have to provide answers to the media on things not related to my tennis or my matches, but on Wednesday I did not feel safe in press conference. I should be able to feel safe when I do interviews with the journalists after my matches. For my own mental health and well-being, I have decided to take myself out of this situation today, and the tournament has supported me in this decision. It hasn't been an easy few days, and now my focus is to continue to play well here in Paris. So yeah, this press conference is being conducted behind closed doors. It's only a session of pre-approved questions kind of like what you might find in a dictatorship. I have big problem problems with this on the press access angle. When the free press is not able to speak to athletes at a free event, then we have major problems here. And shame on Roland Garros, shame on Amelie Moresmo, and all the other people in charge over there for allowing this to happen. This, combined with all the sexism in the scheduling, this is clearly put Roland Garros into the basement dwelling of the four Grand Slams at the moment. Shameful stuff. So there's going to be nothing there. Um, June 4th, it says quotes from audio. So that's another whitewashed one. Um, June 6th, uh, I think they. She came back to the press room. She came back to the full press room a couple of times at the end. Okay, so Sabalenka's June sixth uh, press conference. Question. One question about one matter that interests fans in our country. You said many times in the last months that you would like to separate sports from politics, and we understand that. But the internet never forgets. We can find in internet many photos of you and Alexander Lukashenko. The question is why you could connect sports, sport and politics in the past, and now you are against this connection. Sabalenka says, Well, we played a lot of Fed Cups in Belarus. He was in our matches taking pictures with us after the match. Nothing bad was happening that time in Belarus or in Ukraine or in Russia. And I said it many times already, I'm not supporting war. I don't want my country to be involved in any conflict. I said it many times, 
and you know where I stand, you know. You have my position. You have my answer. I answered it many times. I'm not supporting the war. And the thing that I don't want support to be involved in politics because I'm just a tennis player, 25 years old tennis player. And if I would like to be political, I wouldn't be here. I don't want to be involved in any politics. I just want to be a tennis player. Yeah, that's a bad faith argument from um, Sabalenka, or an argument born out of ignorance. The entire history of sports and politics, there's always been a nexus. Sports and politics have always been intertwined, and and people that say otherwise, they're just, you know, bad faith opportunists. It's just a bad faith argument, and it's not accurate. It's not true. Um... Question, what effect has last Wednesday's press conference had on you over the last week? Sabalenka, just the way I was made feeling and I felt disrespected. I felt like journalists tried to put the words in my mouth. I didn't feel comfortable. This is just the way I felt. Yeah, that's it. Question, you say you don't support war, but do you still support Alexander Lukashenko? Arena Sabalenka, like, it's a tough question. I mean, I don't support war, meaning I don't support Lukashenko right now. Let's stop and dissect that. I don't support war, so I don't support Lukashenko right now. So if it was peace, she would support Lukashenko. Not a good look. And, you know, we can get into a little bit of this. The news over the last couple of days, again, uh, we're taping this on June 24th. 808 West Coast at the moment, and the events over the last 24 hours in Russia have been uh, interesting, to say the least. To be quite honest, at this point, I don't think we really know what happened in, in any great detail. I think the American uh, media is still working on that, and that definitive story has not been written yet. So, so to, the short version is, so this dude... Yevgeny Prigozhin, who is a Russian, he was involved, he was like a Putin lieutenant who was involved in executing the war, and his war outfit was a PMC called Wagner, and he was, you know, in charge of the war, you know, in, in charge of Russian forces. Prigozhin was also asked by Putin to run the troll bots from the 2016 American presidential election, which were detailed in the Mueller report. So yes, I understand Prigozhin was not a good actor necessarily, but of the two guys, Putin is pro-war, is pro-Ukraine war, and Prigozhin was anti-Ukraine war. So of the two guys, for Western interests... Prigozhin would have been better in charge of Russia, but this guy took certain cities in Russia under his military control. He was marching toward Moscow, and Lukashenko, the president of Belarus, negotiated a deal to where that would not happen, that would protect Putin. And Prigozhin accepted the deal. So the deal is, the coup is off, 
Prigozhin gets to go to Belarus and he gets to live in a nice villa in Belarus for the rest of his life, allegedly. So all of that to say, the president of Belarus, Lukashenko, has done something to blatantly protect Putin, or he's, and he's done something that blatantly propagates the war. So, hopefully, Sabalenka's uh, press team is going to have to be uh, hard at work now, figuring out what her answers are going to be for Wimbledon. And, you know, uh, another interesting backdrop here is that Wimbledon is lifting the ban. Last year, Russians and Belarusians couldn't play Wimbledon. This year, they can. Um, and I'm not going to get into the whole politics of why that happened. Basically, Wimbledon's hand was forced into doing that by the tennis tours. But it's going to be interesting. Those players, days after this happened in Russia, are going to be in London dealing with this whole situation. So that's going to be a big, 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 big deal about how are the players going to react to this. And even players that have deflected the questions well in the past, like Medvedev, like Medvedev might come under some heat for this, and if Medvedev is going to catch heat for this, Sabalenka is going to be like thrown to the wolves, considering on how poor her answers have been so far. Definitely going to be an interesting situation there. But yeah, Lukashenko, not a good dude. to be stronger than her I have to move better than her and then with Iggy if you lose your mind then there is like really zero chances to win So in the uh, groups, um, eliminated in the group stages, Coco Goff, Daria Kasatkina, Anz Jabor, and Jessica Pagula advancing to the semis, Iga Sviantek versus Marina Sabalenka, and Carolyn Garcia versus Maria Sakkari. It is exactly the mentality of this woman. In trouble, hit harder. We're seeing that now. Sabalenka's gonna win and then lose in the final. The WTA Finals final. Tennis Twitter people always enjoy uh, writing that phrase, finals final, the reductiveness of that. Um, on the uh, men's side, let's find out what happened there. Eliminated in the group stage, Rafael Nadal, he's always been bad at the year end, 
Felix Auger Aliasim, Stefanos Tsitsipas, and Daniil Medvedev. Advancing to the semifinals, Kasper Ruud versus Andre Rublev. Novak Djokovic versus Taylor Fritz. I think we just saw Fritz uh, coming up short there. 7-6-7-6. Alright, I guess it's time for some match commentary here. Sabalenka double faults, those demons coming up at an inopportune time. Sviantek driving a shot into the uh, ad side, Sabalenka can't handle it. Sabalenka double faults again, Sviantek is up 5-2 in the second set after Sabalenka won the first set. Sviantek serves, goes to the backhand side. Sviantek hits the backhand down the line, and it looks like it is called in. Sviantek wins the second set, six games to two. Sabalenka gestures with a poof, like she waves her left hand up to her box. But then I realized, because of struggling with so many things, that everything happened for the reason. What can break me? Netflix has a role here. They're putting this subject on. It's a form. It can. It could be a form of sports washing, and like, yes, we're not completely dumb idiots. If people think about it, they'll realize the connection. But it becomes more normalized when you have pro, potentially pro, uh, you know, pro Putin figures on your TV show. Yeah, because of that, I'm not really into too much into covering this match at the moment. Let's take a look at the current uh, race, uh, 2023. So, here's the if if the WTA and ATP finals were held today, at the end of play on June 24th, 2023, here's what we'd have: number one, Sabalenka; two, Sviantek; three, Rybakina; four, Pagula. Five, Muhova, who just made the Roland Garros final. Six, Kvitova. I believe she won uh, Dubai, maybe, earlier this, this season. The 1000 event there. Seven, Krejcikova. Maybe that was her. Maybe that was Kre No, no, yeah. So Kvitova won Miami, and Krejcikova won the Middle Eastern event. And eight, Coco Goff. in the ATP race at the moment. Number one, Novak Djokovic. Number two, Carlos Alcaraz. Number three, Daniil Medvedev. Number four, Stefanos Tsitsipas. Number five, Holger Runa. Six, Andre Rublev. Seven, Yannick Sinner. Eight, Kasper Ruud. Taylor Fritz has pulled, has dropped down to number nine at the moment. I'm ready to go home. Season is over. All the players are ready to go home. Time to start wrapping up the story here and getting ready for the next season. So, 
now is the time to start wrapping it up, so it, it appears. So, the episodes one through five of the first season was divided into two point parts. Episodes one through five dropped in January 2023. Episodes six through ten dropped in uh, June of 2023. And prior to the second five episodes dropping, Netflix has uh, announced... What is it? How do you know that? The next uh, five. Uh, sorry. The next. Okay. <laughs> the show has been renewed for a second season, which we will see next year. Presumably, season two will cover the 2023 season, and we will see that footage in 2024. But yeah, the show could definitely use an overhaul going into the second season. There are definitely ways it could be better. And it's not just hoping they get lucky with storylines. They need to sign more players. They need to have more access. Hopefully, for the sake of the show, the show needs to become a bigger part of the locker room. Players need to be... Uh, uh, feel more comfortable appearing on camera. Editing-wise, they need to be better in creating a coherent narrative across the ten episodes. Next season, it's my year, guys. All right. Yeah, and that's it. So. Um, this episode, um, I thought it was, uh, it was okay. I mean, there wasn't, like, covering the year-end finals, it's not, like, it's not the best as a content play. Um, it was fine. Seven or eight? I'm gonna go with seven. Seven. So, yeah, this show was like a seven, seven and a half out of ten show. I would recommend watching certain episodes. I don't think people need to watch all 10 episodes. Um, but hey, I got to the end of my commentary project. I talked about this show for 10 hours. Or not literally 10, you know, 45 minutes times 10 times. 450 hours or minutes, whatever that is. So um, if you've listened to all of them, thank you very much. And um, that's the end of the episode, so that's going to be the end of this uh, series for now. It was fun doing something a little different, um, but um, after doing this for 10 episodes... Um, oh, whoop, we don't want that. Uh, let's get out of there. Okay, but after doing that for um, 10 episodes, I think I'm ready to dive back into the news of the day format a little bit. Um, if you've made it this far... Thank you very much. Um, thanks for supporting the show. This has been Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis. And uh, my point is now thoroughly broken.